Hey, I'm Abby. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Did the Reading, the podcast where we did the reading so you don't have to. What are we talking about this week, Jess? You say that as if you haven't, for <laughs> weeks previously, persuaded me to do this book, but we're doing Midnight Sun by Stephanie Mayer. And if you guys have missed the uh, major like earthquake that is this book, the monumental literary masterpiece, the Nobel Prize winning piece of literature that this represents, it is the retelling of Twilight from Edward's perspective. And I think perhaps first and foremost, I should ask, what did you think of this, Jessica Curry, as someone who might be described fairly as a Twilight novice? Yeah, that would be valid, nay, factually accurate. I <laughs> never read. Nay. <laughs> I did not read the books. I have seen, I think, the first film. I've seen the Twilight mm-hmm. film. I must have done at some point. But no, I've never read the books. And at the top of the episode, I am going to disclose I haven't actually fully finished this book because it is nearly 800 pages long. And but I'm I, going to dis- disclose my displeasure about that. But yeah, I think that fine. could have been guessed. But, you know, I like... I gave it my best shot. <laughs> I had a crack at it and I tried my best. Um, I won't lie to you. It's not it's not like awful writing. OK, it's like mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. readable. Mm-hmm. It's I think compelling actually might be a bit of a stretch, but I can imagine. I don't I think see... it is, though. I can sort of see, you know, like throwing back to my 13 year old self, I can kind of see why I was like kind of vibing it, you know. OK, you know what? I can. The end of that sentence was going to be that I can see the appeal. And I think as like a piece of YA fiction, it's like, mm. it's good. Yeah. And it's that's not me being snobby about YA. I think young adult fiction is excellent right. and can be amazing. But that's, I feel like I can't make any strong comments <laughs> because I have not finished it. And also it's like, obviously so much of it is like, it's literally the same story as Twilight, but from a different perspective. So sure. But yes, but I think the more important question here is, Abigail, what did you think of it? Because I think it would be fair to say it was hotly anticipated from your end. Hotly anticipated. Um, I, you know, contextually speaking, for anyone who doesn't know me, I have long been a fan of Twilight. And I read all of them when I was like 12 or 13. And I thought, you know, like I was a bit in that phase then when I was like, I just don't get the whole deal. But I had read all of them, which was like, 3000 page commitment and then I did an essay on them and I was like this is kind of the thing is I think I would describe it more as like intrigue and fascination than like I don't I I genuinely think there are flaws with Twilight as a concept and obviously what people say about like abuse in the relationship but I also think there's something really compelling about it and I think um I really enjoyed this book. I think, you know, there's something about Edward, which is always so, you know, I am hesitant to say impenetrable, but I will I will say it. Um, and I think that this book, it's just such an interesting insight. I really enjoyed it. I know you sent me, Jess sent me this article from Elle Canada, which was like, this book's a load of shit. And I just, I've had it up to my elbows i didn't twilight snobbiness because i agreed with it i was sending it to you because i thought it was a funny article and i think you know what i mean i just it frustrates me because i feel like there are so many books for like adult men which deal with relationships which are inherently more like physically or psychologically inappropriate disgusting abusive troubling controlling than this book is but the level of criticism leveled against them is infinitely less 
and also the level to which they are able to be viewed as legitimate books is also it's not affected by the quality and inverted commas of that relationship so for example if you think about something like james bond which ultimately like if you look back at some of the films from the 80s like they're so bad oh my god not even that they are shit which is the one with Daniel Craig, which is like, I want to say 2003, 2004. Quantum of Solace or Casino Royale? I think it might be Casino Royale. I was watching that and I was like, I mean, like, obviously, I don't think this is too much of a stretch to say, like, neither of us are necessarily too much fun to watch older films with because of, you know, yeah. feminist critique. But I was watching, I was like, this is physically painful. Like, the dialogue, the whole dynamic. Well, all I mean, of I, it, was, I was like, I- People say that about the modern ones, and I think they are also gross in many ways. Um, I think, you know, like, I can understand why people find them compelling, but they're very... The sexual dynamics are indeed disgusting. Um, But we were watching one of the Piers Brosnan ones, and it was just like every second word he said to a woman was an innuendo. Mm. And it was literally like not one woman there who he didn't make out with. And it's just like the whole thing, like, and yet that still has carried on for another 40 years and people still think of them as, in a way, like, quite high Iconic. Yeah. The thing is, obviously, I understand there are other bits which go to it. Like, you know, there are stuff about, like, the quality of writing or whatever, which people argue. But I do think, like, there is a lot about the audience issue. Yes. And we can get into that in terms of, like, why fiction, perhaps, more broadly. Later on. Yes. Later on. Abigail, I wanted to ask you, obviously you handed this book to me and need we dwell on this longer. It's a tome and you handed it to me and you said, this is Edward's perspective of the Twilight story. Mm. And that was all I really had, apart from you being like, don't be rude about it. You're going to enjoy it. Mm. So my question for you is, to what extent is this like a book in and of itself? And to what extent is it Stephanie Mayer being like, you know what? A lot of people were quite mean about the first book. I'm going to A, make some more money and B, rewrite this book in from like a 2020 acceptable perspective yeah, and sell it. I think, so obviously in defence of saying it's an original book in its own right, there are obviously aspects in Twilight um, that we don't see, that we now see because of this um, book. Like, I guess when Alice has to do all the kind of cover up for the James murder and they have to do um, all the like mind reading and stuff we see Mm -hmm. and how Edward's relationship with his siblings works and like the background to their opinions on like Bella and stuff. So some of that I feel like is quite engaging and interesting in its own right. However, there is a lot of it that felt like to me, and I think we talked about this the other day Mm. um, when I gave you the book, um, which feels like people have like leveled those accusations about like oh you know he maybe like I don't want to be crazy right now but maybe he shouldn't be watching her in her sleep all the time and I feel like party poopers I know I'm just saying but Stephanie Mary feel like a lot in this book has been like has kind of copied and pasted the dialogue over and then tried to put this thing which is like oh well you know I didn't mean it to come across this way I guess I'm just too awkward and like, oh, you know, I I, I don't want to be watching her while she sleeps. Like, I know I'm a creep, but, like, she's literally, like, going to die because there are, like, 85 vampires in the local area. And so I feel like there's a lot of it which feels like, like, heavy justification. Um, yeah, a lot of it does feel slightly, like, 
temp like tempering it a little mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm. and honestly the amount of times that edward is there like oh but how could she love me mm-hmm. a, a creature of darkness and also like does as you say self-refer as a creep and a monster mm-hmm, mm-hmm. almost every kind of half page yeah i would say that would be fair thank you an accurate ratio but i think it is yeah and i think there is something about that which feels on the one hand it's kind of intriguing to like reimagine the dynamic as like because i think the thing is that when you read twilight which i know you haven't all the time she's been like how could this local fitty local fitty edward cullen want to be with me forward slash drink my blood and it's always like this is a little bit inexplicable side note my favorite bit is fully just when he's like in that restaurant with her and he like realizes he's hot basically i know I'm in terms of he's like he's like oh i've been toning down the like killing people bit which means it's no longer just luring in prey all i am left with is beauty and then kind of just like has this whole like inner conflict where he's like this waitress fancies me that's so embarrassing for her and like keeps like being like oh my god bella said that like i dazzle people maybe i'm dazzling her and it's like what is what going on here? i'm most obsessed with is that el canada article which is like oh, the bit where they're like they keep describing how hot edward cullen is yeah i've seen robert patterson <laughs> first of all <laughs> the thing is that i would be interested particularly i mean like i don't know um but basically uh, i was gonna say i don't know if you know this but like I I know you don't know this. Effectively, like she wrote this back in like 2013, and she intended to publish it, and then somebody leaked a chapter online, and oh. then she was like, "Fine, you can't have it then." <laughs> it seems no one's going to enjoy this, and then published it like all these years later. And I would really be interested to see how much she like rewrote it, and how much of it yeah. was like that was a manuscript that was just kind of held over. Because a lot of it did feel particularly, like, I guess, with Me Too and everything like that, like there had been a change in the playing field. Because I do think the way YA is going, generally speaking, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that it would have been such a successful novel now as it was then, I guess. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to know more behind the scenes of like the editing and like uh, publishing process Mm -hmm. in general, Mm -hmm. in terms of. Obviously, with any book, there's an extent to which, like, if it's not going to be, like, a commercial success, then it's not going to get published. So part of that is obviously just, like, the massive and, like, existing fan base who kind of, like, will purchase it anyway. But also, I do think, as a publisher, you're going to... Like, it was August of this year, wasn't it, Mm -hmm. that it came out? As a publisher, you're going to, to some extent, need to, like, guarantee like sales and like a good reception Mm. to put yourself behind it like even between so the first books came out in what like 2011 2009 possibly a bit earlier than that even ages ago because the films came out something like when we were in when we were 13 or so i guess yeah okay anyway so my point is a while ago but even between say 2013 and now the way that people would react to such a arguably slightly questionable relationship is definitely different even in I'd say the past kind of two years I would agree there's like enough of a shift 
that that's something that like publishers would like be aware of and have to consider. I fully agree. And I also think um, the dynamic of picking for him to be quite so old. Um, I won't lie to you. That really stood out to me in the first like maybe hundred or so pages was where he would make like a number of references to being hundreds of years old. And I was like, this feels weird coupled with his like enduring descriptions of her as small and also translucent the way in which stephanie mayer tries to like rebalance it and also balance it from like a self because i think you know obviously um it's it's no stretch to say that this is a reflection of stephanie mayer's like mormon beliefs um and so i think there's a level to which the fact that he's a virgin is quite often used as a way of like trying to level that playing field yeah and actually i think as the book goes on that is leveled a little bit like it doesn't actually feel too rogue it doesn't feel like an insane dynamic but i think you also have to be aware like realistically speaking he's older than her great-grandfather yeah that's the thing and like at the very beginning especially you know with the unique perspective of someone that hasn't read twilight that did also really kind of Mm. it was mildly jarring but i do think it's like written in such a way that it's not do you know what i mean that's not like the main kind of practical consideration when we're talking about this story a flesh-eating vampire and jess this brings me to my second question is it good i think yes oh okay tell me more um how do i (laughs) (laughs) that was all she had no that is all i have no because when i was first thinking when you first like asked me this question i was like well don't let me like bring up when i did all that fucking reading over summer where i was like what is a good book is a horribly political question in itself such a um nebulous concept isn't it like a little well (laughs) precisely the words in my head (laughs) sorry i mean obviously you've got to put in all the like literary justification like there's no such thing as a good book like yeah disclaimer anyway um but i think do you know what i mean it's like easy to read it's compellingly written the characters have captured the imaginations of yourself included many Mm. a child and also like um i feel like the kind of franchise as a whole as well i feel like we don't necessarily because it gets taken the piss out of so often i feel like we don't necessarily acknowledge how much of like a kind of cultural like phenomenon it was like it i feel like we haven't had anything reset. precisely <laughs> I, but do you know what i mean i feel like there was a whole series of even those that hadn't like read it or were like really into it mm. you would still like get asked if you were like team edward or team jacob do you know what i mean like i feel like Completely. it's it was like a massive massive thing that i was gonna say that we haven't had since obviously i haven't been like 13 since but do you know what i mean i feel like it's i agree major so i feel like as well it kind of um speaks to I guess like a kind of concept of romance in a way like an updated fairy tale romance insofar as it's like this very I guess we spend 700 pages and all they do is kiss like she wants very like it's very like courtly love it's very courtly love vibes and he's like a stunningly beautiful man and he's there (laughs) to protect her and he is incredibly physically powerful and he will do everything in his power to look after her. And she's just a normal person. So I almost feel like it, again, appeals to that idea of, like, that feeling when you're, like, 12 or 13 and you're like, ugh, 
ugh, look at me. And then it's like, no, but like Robert Pattinson would look at you. You know? I know exactly what you mean. I won't lie to you. I feel like you're doing a slightly weird job of explaining. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's true. But I think, um, well, you see it even in like um, normal people, for example, which was like another massive thing that in yeah. the book, Marianne is like, it's stress. Like every other page is like she was really plain and boring looking. And like, in, like and, then, and then they cast fucking Daisy, what's her face, who is objectively the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Honestly, anyway, it's the same as like um, Jane Eyre. And then they're like yes. fucking casting Kira Knightley. It's like, or like squeeze Mia, what's me. Yes. Yeah. So I think you're right. And that is like a slightly, I guess, niche, <laughs> like fairy tale trope in terms mm. of the idea of like, I've now just got the, what's the Jane Eyre quote? Poor, obscure, and little girl mm. that mm. is kind of spotted, rescued, protected, and adored by yeah. some sort of hot man forward slash Michael Fassbender. But I also think there's something quite like, I think it's both like the tropes are really appealing. Um, <clears> and like, I think the fact that as well, I think the fact that the tropes are delved into in such detail over like 600 pages for another, like whatever, how many books, like that's really nice mm-hmm. as well um, for, you know, teenage girls who like just, you know, want to read 600 pages in the library could never yeah, be as in, like, we do take the pits but then also i do feel like the length and kind of like breadth of these novels is in, does, itself. Is in itself quite a important aspect of like their success and how like i guess engrossing they are as in like you, yeah. you use the term like world building in yes writing but i think it's not even i think there's like world building in the sense of like i don't know like lord of the rings or something but there's also yeah, yeah. world building in the sense of like like Just can you imagine emotion. the like volume of like fanfic that's been produced from this or like do you know mm. what I mean like you can just engross yourself in it mm. a lot easier if there's just like on quite a boring level if there's like more to read and I think you know I think the thing is about Twilight is that I'm sure you could say in many of the practical senses like there are some dips into purple prose the relationship is problematic in various ways sometimes the characters are quite one-dimensional and if you really break it down, not a lot happens. But I think However. to just view it in those terms is oversimplistic because I think we've got to think about like why does it appeal? Is like it is kind of like a gap between wish fulfillment and escapism. Yeah, but, and um, it's like a like reasonably well written, like and extensively thought out like fantasy piece of fiction. Of course, and I think as well, like people love fantasy and that is the other like appeal isn't it it's just like it's so you know like love a little vampire you always see that have you seen those tiktoks which are like when people are like going oh i always used to pretend when i was in school and i'd like pretend i got bitten by a vampire it's like (laughs) it's so that like why were we all the same brand of like weird 12 year old being like there's only what if i was there is only but it's also (laughs) but it's also like it's that fantasy but obviously the whole thing is written in like a I was gonna say normal context do you know what I mean like like a human high school so it's that like you said earlier it's that kind of like oh it's not like I don't think people are reading this being like this could happen to me but it's like very accessible and it's very she's not like a protagonist you can't like see yourself in I guess yes arguably I mean like my mean voice is being like because she's very flat (laughs) I completely agree like I wrote that in my essay that it's like she's she's effectively like the ultimate self-insert character because oh that's fun because 
like there is nothing about her that is so strong as to not be recognized as to alienate anyone literally that's completely the thing it's like oh she's a bit ditzy she's a bit clumsy like everyone in the very beginning where he's like oh i saw through the minds of other people because let's just quickly remind everyone that edward can like read minds so the the dialogue slash narrative in this book is written in such a way that it's actually sometimes quite weird and slightly exhausting because he just like he's always like oh and then i listened to this person but Mm -hmm. where i was going with this is there's one bit at the beginning where he's like oh and i like listen through a few people's minds in the corridors to like follow her to class and she tripped over her own feet three times not that i've ever you know tripped over mm. my own feet but also i was just slightly baffled as to obviously the way that was then written because it was three people's minds that took like a whole half a page of writing yeah and like, yeah I'm losing the will. Well, I mean, I just think, you know, it's like that, isn't it? It's the fact that she's like a bit bookish and you can basically presume that anyone who picks up this book is a bit... I mean, like, people who are, like, reading this on a big scale are going to be a bit bookish as a teenager and a bit like, oh, my God, I feel so left out. But, you know, I also prioritise my parents and, like, I love my family (laughs) and I don't really get clothes. You know, like, it's just... uh, Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's... um. I think everyone's felt like that at a certain point. Yeah, so in sum, good book. Good book. A booktopia.com listicle lists number four of five reasons to read it as it's extra in italics broody. Right. Tell me what you think about that. Um, I I agreed. I I mean, like initially, obviously, the whole like running joke is like he takes about 170 more pages to tell the same story. And a lot of it is very anguished but i feel like that's ah, sometimes happy you know that's a sometimes happy and b what arguably you would expect from such a character <laughs> i feel like mm-hmm. a lot of it as we've already like briefly touched on is him being like but i yanked my hand away from hers because it would be so chilly and it's like he's <laughs> so, like my icy hands would revolt her imagine if you saw my like, spangled skin <laughs> honestly it's like tag yourself if I don't have a circulatory system in it either. Yeah, you've got um, icy hands. I do have very cold hands, always. Anyway, that's... I'm the person who's relating to Edward in this book. Like, <laughs> I too can read minds and my hands are icy cold. My hands are icy cold and I dazzle waitresses in Bella Italia. <laughs> Bella Italia. <laughs> I'm in Pizza Express and they're serving me dough balls. Shit. <laughs> We're already getting off track. Okay, um, what even was I saying? Yes, it is very broody and fully... I like the way it's written really lends itself to that purely obviously it's from his perspective but also like him being like oh I heard this person's thoughts and I like jumped from this and this made me angry because this man fancied her but also I think like we said a lot of it is kind of tempering or or attempting to explain or kind of soften like mm-hmm. the reasons for his various slightly creepy actions, mm. which means that there's just quite literally more like in a monologue going on. But, you know, as I opened with, I think that just is what we expect from Edward. He is a broody king and that is king. what you're looking for. I think that's the thing. Like, I think first and foremost, like, I mean, I can't say 
if we went in and his inner monologue was just like another great day at school today i love geometry you'd be like okay. who is this man <laughs> you'd be like what is going on here is this all the front is this all a lie but i do understand what they say because i think there is some of it which feels a little bit like if you're gonna be being super gross and weird like why are you doing it but also at the same time being like oh i'm so gross it's like yeah you are being gross so don't do it you can't like have it both ways do you know what i mean but i do think it's done successfully enough that you like don't feel that he's gross yeah i think the thing is that what is quite interesting is it does in a way build a level of empathy with him as a character which purely I know by the... like the volume of his thoughts <laughs> Yeah, purely by how much there is. And like the thing was as well that I read quite a lot of it, like in one day, I read like a kind of good 350 pages in one day. We get it. And it's like, you know, and like you're like fully emerged in the headspace. You know, when you like sit and like get up and go to the toilet and you're like, I'm a monster. <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Reading it for life. And that's the measure of good writing. That's uh, But yeah, I mean... It's very immersive in that way. I think it is it is broody, but, you know... I don't think that's something we need to defend it for. No. It's not too... I feel like, as in, basically, I feel like we're making it sound like he just walks around... Brooding. Brooding, which, arguably, he does. He does. I swear, at one point, he literally says, like, and I went back to brooding. I you, want to say that's a direct right. quote, but I'm going to repeat... I don't think that's something I need to defend it for. I think that's arguably what you would expect. I want to end asking you, our resident YA fiction queen mm. and oracle, mm. what you think this book and its like publication or mm. reaction or contents can tell us about YA fiction in general in the year 2020. Well, I think there are like a number of levels to that, because I think you could argue, like, firstly, that it doesn't tell us a lot about YA fiction so much as it tells us about the tastes of people who have grown up with Twilight who are now reading the book. Mm -hmm. As a follow up to that, I think that's an argument because I think like, you know, somebody my little sister's age would has not read Twilight and they are not familiar. With yeah, it as a thing. So it's kind I'd of be fascinated actually to see like what the average age of someone who's purchased or read this book is because i reckon yeah. if you'd like track it it's like it's like all things where you get like years later another one i reckon the average age must be what like 23 24 i think i guess the fact that it's kind of come out now and it's they still feel like there's an audience for it regardless of whether that comes from like existing audience or new audiences i think it says like there's still an appetite for fantasy although perhaps that's not as strong as it once was I think what's really interesting is when you go in and look at the YA shelves nowadays, when we were in that kind of like 13, 14, 15 age category, which like YA is generally marketed towards, uh -huh. like it did tend to be very like straight, white, cisgendered love stories. Um, yes. And in when we were in that age, it was a very strong fantasy orientation, I think, uh, forward slash dystopia. Um, yes. And I think that has shifted a lot now. Like I would say now there's more real life stuff and there's stuff which is, and it's welcome 
are more diverse. But I think what this is trying to do is trying to do a better job of like, I don't know, talking about relationship dynamics, gender relationship dynamics. Mm. In some ways, a lot of people have talked about the fact that she wrote about Native Americans without having done adequate research on Native Americans, which I don't know a lot about, but I have (laughs) heard that argument made. And I kind of got the sense that she was again trying to hit that point. You know, it felt to me like she was trying to create, in a way, almost this was a rewriting for 2020 rather than a rewriting for Edward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think from, uh, I mean, I arguably slightly like cynical, but also just like from a publishing perspective, that makes like way more sense. Mm. And I think doesn't massively really change anything about like the reading experience. But I think from like a production perspective, it's like very interesting. Mm. Um, but I agree I also think like as we moved through that age category which like arguably I think from a marketing perspective fully goes up to like 17 or so um, we witnessed the kind of the massive rise and slight like plateau of fantasy by which I mean specifically stuff like Harry Potter yeah um, and started shifting into stuff like uh, more dystopian things so like i read games legend like hunger games and i read the i can't remember what it's called as a trilogy but they're like gone hunger lies oh god plague yeah. fear are they i think terror? those are the five or is that you know what terror? i couldn't tell you oh my god what's the um like the knife of never letting go stuff like that oh, oh I yeah loved Patrick that so Nash. Much. i like that um and like divergent i think like that was what was coming out like towards the end by the time we were like i want to say 16 17 Mm -hmm. which could be very wrong but i guess the fifth wave and stuff like that as well yeah absolutely i think it's very interesting what like escapism looks like and what function ya serves at various different points i think yes a lot of our youth it was viewed as something like a kind of adult fiction light And there was like an escapism and there was a little bit of a, I guess, orientation towards people thinking that you could afford to be a bit of a shitter writer. Yes. Write a bit more simply. And a lot of high school narratives, a lot of, yeah. And like trying to kind of do those things where it's like, I guess, wish fulfillment, escapism. And I guess even in those dystopians, it's like, this is what I could achieve if I was this or this Mm. or whatever. And I think now it really has shifted towards a greater level of like realism and I think there's more of a level of like contending with the real world and I don't know if that's more kind of because of changes with like me too with racial justice movements with LGBT movements with the dawn of social media and the fact that kids are being forced to I guess grow up sooner not to sound like a massive old person but like you know the fact that you're being kind of (laughs) <laughs> exactly you know like being shoved no i know into what you mean the like, exposure think, is sooner yeah in terms of like i think ya fiction has always been regarded as it's like a like a stepping stone for people of that age to kind of begin to navigate things through literature mm-hmm. whereas that has become less focused as you say on a kind of like escapism and this idea of like oh i'm just a normal girl but i can still you know get with Robert Pattinson into Mm. more of a recognition of like actually what like 14 year olds might actually be like trying to process or understand Mm. and give them a platform to do that 
and the thing is at their own pace that like there is still not the potential within twilight to hit those categories like it is still a very like white straight book which again like i think more in this book than in the actual twilight ones like contends with you know sexuality and stuff like this but still doesn't really look at what it is like to kind of deal with sexuality as a teenager mm-hmm. um and so i think it kind of what stephanie mayer achieved with this book is it kind of does show the shifts in ya but i don't think there is a full capability to do that within the universe she's created and within the commercially successful kind of zone she's still trying to hit Thank you for gifting me with this book, Abigail. That I is no problem. can't say whether I will try and actually complete it, but I kind of feel I'm quite bad at leaving books unfinished. I might purely just have to... I can't wait to hear through. what you say when you polish it off. Like It really did like immerse me back in it. I kind of came off it and I was like, man, there's no more like twilight in my life. Like I just I don't know what to do with myself. You know one of those? Completed it. Yeah. But perhaps you can tell our listeners how to access more of these exciting texts and more of the work we do via our social media, etc. Yes, we are on Instagram and Twitter at DidTheReadingPod. We have an email. You can email us at mm. DidTheReadingPod at gmail.com. And you can listen to us and all our past episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Brackets, please leave us a review. Delightful. Well, we'll see you next week for our Christmas special.